growth is in pain. Ooh. How do we talk about, we talk about the, our comfort zone. In order to grow, we have to go outside of our comfort zone. That's gonna take pain. And in growing, and this is one of the things that people don't talk about, growing a relationship. Because people are, so many people in our society are just trying to stay in love. They Ooh. fall in love, and then they're just trying to stay in love because life stress has come along. And none of them are really trying to, only a small percentage, are really trying to grow in love. Only about 10% of all marriages are growing in love. And people don't hear about this because there's not that many people in that process. Because a lot of people just stay where they are and they're comfortable where they are and they live 30, 40, 50 years just, you know, being comfortable. Growing in love takes going into painful areas of your psyche and your, and your life. Mm -hmm. um, when you grow in love, and it takes yelling, it takes... Welcome to another episode of the Wedding Workshop Podcast. Super excited uh, to have you know, my good friend and relationship mentor, uh, Dr. Marcus Abreu. Uh, we're going to be talking, uh, you know, all things relationships. This show really is specifically for those couples that, you know, you're engaged, you're about to get married. And the, the title of the show is The Four Myths. Did I say that right? Myths. Mm -hmm. yep. That lead Four couples myths. down the road to divorce, all right? Let me just say that one more time. The four myths that lead couples down the road to divorce. You do not wanna go down this road. And just to give you guys, a, uh, just to tell you my story, uh, you know, I got married in 2018. I was madly in love with my wife. Uh, and, you know, we had a baby after the wedding. And, you know, it just caused a lot of stress in our marriage. We both were in school at the time marriage, mortgage, baby, stepson, elderly parents. I mean, you know, I lost my mom. And, and you just throw COVID into that as well, okay? And so it, it put a really big stress on our relationship. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sad to say that, you know, we are no longer together. And, uh, you know, we're currently going through a divorce. But I wanted to tell you guys that story because I don't want you to go down this path, especially for the guys, okay? <laughs> Specifically for the groomsmen, I need you to listen to Marcus and what he's saying. The ladies already know this. Well, maybe not, right? But they're going to pretend they do. For us, we're completely in the dark. And so um, I I'm just here to tell you that I never in a million years thought that I would be separated from my wife. I never in a million years thought that we would not be together. That's not what I wanted. I wanted to have a family, but we didn't have the tools and the resources. And, and frankly, maybe the maybe the, the, the emotional maturity to deal with the challenges that you're gonna deal with during wedding, during, during your marriage. Now I'm here to tell you guys, uh, things changed after I got married, right? Like, it was weird. I thought I was gonna get married and things would stay the same, but but they didn't stay the same, right? She she expected more, she demanded more. And 
Marcus, you know, helped us out a lot, right? Marcus was actually my counselor. And the problem was I went to Marcus late. I should have I went to Marcus before the house was on fire. Actually, Marcus, I think was my, Marcus was my third counselor. Wow. So at that point, when you're coming in, you know, you're in your third counselor, like it's, you know, so um, I just want to highly encourage, uh, you know, my brides and my grooms, but specifically, specifically the men. All right, I need you to listen to what Marcus is saying. All right, Marcus. So um, before we get started, you want to let the people know who you are, what you do, and uh, yeah, why you um, qualified to talk about the four myths. <laughs> I'm Dr. Marcus Brew. Um, I have a doctorate in chiropractic, not in therapy, so that you know. Um, but I've been trained as a relationship coach, advanced relationship coach. Um, and I've also uh, done a lot of extensive training with uh, Gottman therapy and other methods of, of relationships. And to create kind of like my own unique way of being able to explain it, one of my things is I love teaching. And uh, you talked about emotional maturity and also about the lateness of, of coming to, to this, uh, to the realization of needing help. And, and usually it takes the average couple about six years after they start having issues to actually seek for help. Mm. And most of the time when they are seeking for help, it's they're deciding between divorce and counseling. Um, so most of them, about 25% of them have already decided that they're getting divorced. Um, so a lot of times when a counselor, therapist or a coach gets a, a client, it's, it's already kind of, they're already on the, on the negative side. <laughs> we have to kind of bring them out of that. And so part of what we do is we do a really extensive analysis to figure out what's going on, everything like that. But it, it does come down to emotional maturity. And that brings up a huge point. What is emotional maturity? Because a lot of people think that they're emotionally mature just because they're older or just because they're, you know, they have an age. Um, emotional maturity has to do with the state of mind that you actually have. How do you view the world? How do you view things that happen in the world? And part of it has to do with the constant of pain. So the marriages that we see today and the relationships that we see today are fairly modern if you look at it in the big scheme of things because we actually marry for what we call love or um, and we, we marry to, to be happy. And that wasn't what it was 100, 200 years ago. People married because of economics, people married, it was, there were arranged marriages. Um, and it, it's only a new thing where we're actually marrying for this whole idea of love. But that's a big issue because most people, when they're thinking about love, they're thinking about happiness mm. and they're thinking about their marriage as a part of being able to fulfill some type of happiness that they want, some type of fulfillment in their life, some type of emptiness that they might have, or some type of companionship that they just crave. But to put happiness as the key part to your relationship will create tons of issues because the pursuit of happiness is really an illusion. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quick, a quick example. When the whole idea of positive psychology came along, which was in the 1980s, 1990s, one of the things that positive psychologists did before that, what they would that what they were looking at was 
um, pathologies that people had, mental pathologies. But they kind of came up with this idea of, well, you know what? We're, our society is doing so well. We've taken a lot of pains away. Our medical uh, technology is, is increased. And so there's a lot less suffering. So maybe the pursuit of happiness is what we need to start studying. We need to start studying how, to, how people can be happier. And so <clears throat> in this particular study, they gave um, uh, subjects a pager because remember, this was in the 1980s and 90s, it wasn't the phone age. Um, and so they gave them pagers. And whenever the pager went off, they would have to stop and answer two questions. On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the best, how happy are you? And the other question was, what is it, what's currently going on in your life right now? And what the, what the researchers actually ended up finding out is that this whole, um, we thought that people, if they had bad things happen, that their, their scores were gonna be lower. And if they had good things happen all the time, their scores were gonna be higher. What they ended up finding out that there's most people across the board were just putting seven. They had a happiness of seven. So there's kind of like this level of happiness that all of us have that's around the seven. If they won the lotto, they might be for a year at a eight or a nine, but then it'll go back down to seven. If they lost a limb, it would go down to three or four for a little bit, but then it would rise up to seven. Everybody kind of stayed at the seven level of happiness. So to pursue happiness is kind of to pursue something that's not there because what we actually do is, okay, well, I'll go on, uh, I'll go on Amazon and I'll buy this. I'll, I'll click on this thing and, I, and it'll give me um, you know, my, my little bit of happiness. But what will happen is that you'll go back to the seven. So people are kind of discontent because they feel like they need to be at 10. But what they have to realize is that, and Mark Manson talks a lot about this, but um, Mark Manson wrote the book, um, Everything is Aft. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and in that book, he talks about this concept of pain being a constant. Pain is unchangeable. Pain is ine inevitable. Pain is inevitable in your relationship. So if you're kind, if you're if you're measuring oh, Marcus, relationship, Marcus, hold on, hold on. Listen, that <clears throat> fellas, <laughs> listen to what Marcus is saying because this point is so important. Pain is inevitable. Mm -hmm. It shall show up, mm -hmm. and Marcus is going to give you the tools on how to deal with it, right, or, or, or how to recognize it. And listen. When I'm talking to my couples, I get to know my couples on a deeper level, right? It's not just about me coming and DJing. Like, I want to know, who are you? How did you meet? How did this relationship come to be? And you know what, Marcus? You know what they always talk about? We fell in love. Mm -hmm. And now you're saying that getting married for love is not what we should be doing. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I, I, I just want some clarification. Yeah, because if that's your focus, go ahead, go ahead. If that's your focus, you're gonna end up failing. Because in a marriage, we believe that love is always kind of like being happy or, 
or having this connection. And that connection is the most important part. And I'm going to go over that in a little bit because it's establishing the emotional connection and actually protecting that emotional connection. That's the most important part, as opposed to trying to find happiness within the relationship and wanting the other person to be happy and try. If you, if your other goal is to make the other person happy, it sounds like a lofty goal, right? Hey, I want to make you happy. Well, that actually can create codependency because now that person's happiness is tied to your happiness or your happiness mm. is tied to that person's happiness. So when they're upset, you want to make them happy. But the problem with trying to do that is that that's their emotion. Yes. Do you want to open them up? Yeah, but that might cause some pain in you to be able to actually do that for them. Mm. And if your constant view is about happiness, I'm not feeling happy in this relationship. I'm not feeling good in this relationship. I just want to feel good. I want to be relaxed. I don't want to have all this tension. And it's not going to happen because that's not about growth. Mm. Growth is in pain. Ooh. How do we talk about, we talk about the, our comfort zone. In order to grow, we have to go outside of our comfort zone. That's going to take pain. And in growing, and this is one of the things that people don't talk about, growing a relationship. Because people are, so many people in our society are just trying to stay in love. They mm -hmm. fall in love, and then they're just trying to stay in love. Because life stresses come along. And none of them are really trying to, only a small percentage, are really trying to grow in love. Mm -hmm. Not only about 10% of all marriages are growing in love. And people don't hear about this because there's not that many people in that process. Because a lot of people just stay where they are and they're comfortable where they are and they live 30, 40, 50 years just, you know, being comfortable. Growing in love takes going into painful areas of your psyche and your, and your life. Mm -hmm. um, when you grow in love, and it takes yelling, it takes crying, it takes... Um, it takes negative emotions. It, it, it takes all of that to grow, mainly because it's about vulnerability. It's about <clears throat> exposing your inner psyche to the other person in ways that you've never exposed it to anyone else, even yourself, many times. Well, well, Marcus, you know, as I, I just had to jump in here because, mm -hmm. you know, my ex-wife, used to tell me all the time when we would get into conflicts and arguments, she would say, she would say, you know, if this relationship was meant to be, why are we having so many issues? Why are we having so many arguments? And I would be like, you know, this is normal in a relationship to have conflict. And for, and so this is for the ladies. Okay. I need you to, 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 to hear what Marcus is saying here. There's no growth without pain, right? Is, is that what you said? Like the only yeah. way to grow is through pain. Yeah. And I think a lot yeah. of women- Biologically, when you're working out, what do you do? Yeah. You break down muscle tissue. You work out to break down muscle tissue so that it builds back up. Um, it, it, that's just a way that growth happens. Something needs to be broken down so that it can be changed and built into something else. I've never heard that grow in love before. Like I, I've heard the stay in love, right? Like obviously you wanna you wanna stay in love, right? Mm -hmm. But when you talk about growing love and then you add in there, by the way, the only way to grow is through pain. 
And what are people trying to do, Marcus? Avoid pain. Exactly. And that's what brings a lot of the issues within a relationship. People constantly trying to avoid the pain. People, and there's two ways that that happens, but that actually brings us right into the, these four myths. Yes. So we've, we've spoken before about uh, some of the four myths and we were talking about what is it that people actually say when, when they wanna ask somebody, you know, a newlywed person or a new relationship wants to ask uh, a relationship that has been around 20, 30 years, not really knowing if they're happy or they're just struggling staying in love, but assuming that they're happy because they've been around for 30, 40 years, what is it that, what's their secret? What is it that, that, that keeps them together? And you said that you actually asked this in your, in your, in your um, event. Yeah, your weddings. So, and you said, what, what was the first one that you had said? I said, uh, you know, most couples that have been married a while, they'll, they'll, they'll tell the couple um, that forgive and forget. Mm -hmm. Forgive yep. and forget. Like that's the number one. And number two is she's always right. Yep. <laughs> and so you have the these concepts and then you also get the whole communication thing that people yes. talk Oh, in order to have a good relationship, we have to communicate. Yes. Um, and so we're going to break these down into what, what I call the four C's, which are the four myths, because they all start with a C. And one of them is communication. The other one is conflict. And you're talking about conflict, being able to forgive and forget. That's part of conflict. Then you have compromise, which is part of forgive and forget as well. But it's also part of that whole idea that she's always right. Yes. It ends up being in compromise. And I'm going to talk about why that's a myth and why it'll lead you in the wrong direction. And then you have compatibility or having your soulmate. That whole idea that the reason it's not working out is because um, it's we're not compatible. And oh. so I'm going to start with compatibility because that's the easiest one. I'm um, so actually, glad you're going there, though. I'm so glad you're starting with compatibility. I was just thinking, I'm like, oh, I want to hear about this compatibility and I don't want to wait. <laughs> right? because, because you know and and marcus i would like you to like like just what is compatibility right because i i feel like sometimes men and women if you have a different definition of what the word means then the, the context gets distorted so compatibility to me as a man and i was I'm speaking for all men I would say it's like somebody that I can get along with, that um, you know, I could be around, that I can tolerate, that I could have a drink with, that that I'm attracted to, that makes me feel warm and fuzzy while I'm around. Come on, fellas, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like that's what compatibility means to me. But go ahead. Yeah, and and that's that's part of the point of all these four myths. It's the way that we define them. It's not necessarily that they're wrong. It's how we define these four myths. So compatibility, a lot of times we, we, we define it as somebody that we can get along with, somebody, but it plays very little part in the whole picture of relationships. And you can see that with the social experiment that has been done in the reality TV show that they mm. keep on doing called Married at First Sight. Dr. Pepper and the experts take thousands and thousands and thousands of people since 2015. They've taken thousands and thousands of people. And in each show, they actually, from those thousands of people, they do questionnaires to see how, how compatible they are. They do psychological evaluations to see how compatible they are. They see their family. They go to their houses. They study everything to 
match three couples from thousands of people that they believe are perfectly compatible and they put them together in an arranged marriage and kind of like a modern arranged marriage on compatibility and they let them go for eight weeks and out of all the people over the last six years that they've done out of all these thousands of people that they've matched compatibly only two of them have lasted more than five years married. Mm. These are thousands of people that they're using. So if compatibility was the key, this show would be doing incredible. But actually most of the, most of the couples either divorce within the eight weeks or they divorce within a year. Mm. So compatibility, the way that we think of compatibility is not exactly what needs to happen. You have to have complementary values, you know, and some of the complementary values have to do with how do you raise children? How do you, you know, how do you view finances? Um, how do you view gender roles? How do you view um, division of labor? All those things are, are, are things that need to, to be talked about and have compatibility. And also the ability to be able to grow emotionally. Mm. Are both people in the relationship able to grow emotionally? Or is one of them is kind of like, no, I don't do that. I don't want to grow. I think I'm perfectly um, right where Percent I am. Or comfortable where I'm at. Yeah. And also having kindness, empathy, and acceptance. Those are basically the basic compatibilities that you have to have. Um, because that'll create kind of like a synergistic um, situation between the couple where they can grow the relationship because they have some of the same concepts of those. And it's emotional, emotional maturity is a big one. If they can emotionally grow. And it doesn't mean that the person needs to be emotionally mature at the time. They can be 18 years old, 19 years old. I got married when we were 21. I was 21. She was 20. We've been married for the last... 30, uh, 25 years, 26 years this year, and we've been together for 31. So, but it's not even being together that's the important part because we've had couples that um, have been together for longer than we have and get divorced. It's that group, they're struggling. It's not the time that's important. It's what is going on within the relationship. And a lot of times you don't know what's going on in other people's relationships. I've been surprised with a lot of relationships that end up, you know, getting into divorce and you thinking, wow, I thought that was a totally different situation because we're very quiet about our situations. Uh, we're very, we're very private about what happens in our own relationships, which is, is a good thing. So, so, so Marcus, let me ask you about these values, right? I think, I think that they're very important and you broke down different, uh, different segments as far as like financing, how you want to raise the kids, gender roles. So these are fellas, okay? These are conversations that you need to have before you put that six, before you invest in that $6,000 ring, yep. okay? These are conversations, and, and, and would you agree, Marcus, before you go out and invest in a ring, would you, and it's not even about the ring, right? Like what it is is, before you say you want to spend the rest of your life with this person, you probably want to figure out what their values are. 
It's your, one of the most important decisions that will determine your happiness in your life is the, the decision that you're making about your relationship. Mm. And, and the issue is, you know, people say, well, if, if then I'll get divorced or whatever. That's the second marriages, as far as staying together, first marriages are usually between 45 to 50% of marriages fail within the first marriage. Um, and those numbers can change and they're really variable depending on your, the statistics you look at. But second marriages are 60% and third marriage are 70% divorce rate. So the more you marry, the more you're divorced. And the interesting thing is that people think, well, I have more, more relationship experience. I know what I want and I know what I don't want and all this stuff. No, you just have more baggage for the most part. Oh. Uh, don't know how to, uh, most people just don't know. They're how not going to like that, Marcus. Not <laughs> <laughs> but you got to give it to them raw, right? Like, yeah. it's the truth. And it's the, it's, and, it's, and this it's is not Marcus saying yeah. this. This is the research, yeah. right? It's the, the research. So people go in with more baggage, the more relationships they have. So having more relationships Ooh. is not necessarily a good thing. But so we come up to this compatibility thing. And before we're done, um, I mean, with the communication thing, but with the compatibility, I want to go back a little bit because a lot of people, it's funny. We have billions of people on this planet. And we think that we found our soulmate 30 miles from our house. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's this idea that we can just, that it's, that we have this perfect match for us. And that's not true. There's no perfect match. There is, there's work. There is a way of being able to create a relationship in which you can create a partnership with another person that's reasonable, especially if they have some emotional maturity and create that relationship that can last forever, create a partnership, which is what most people want. They want a partner to be able to, that'll be there for them in sickness and in health, <laughs> for richer or for poorer. We want that partner. And how do we create that partner or how do we, how do we find that partner is, and it, I, I really believe it's created in within the relationship with what you focus on. I really don't think that um, there's a perfect person for everyone out there. Um, so if we go if we go to basically communication and we start going into into more of the communication part of it, right? Hold, so, hold on, Marcus. Yeah, oh, before ahead. we get into the communication, because you're dropping some jewels, right? <laughs> like this is this is this is really good stuff. And and just and just for the ladies out there, right? Because most guys aren't saying, going, oh, I found my soulmate. Like, no, we're not. We don't use that language, right? That's mostly women that say, I found my soulmate. And the and so you don't believe in soulmates. No. No. I don't it, it's 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 a it's a nice concept. And I think that people can develop into soulmates. But I don't think that there's a soulmate for you out there. Because there are nine billion people, like yeah. So, you know, you know what's interesting? I'm, I, I just got into watching this show called Bridgerton. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't know if you've seen it. It's really, it's, it's it's a really good show. And in this show, this girl, you know, it's 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 back like in the 1800s where they used to have to go to socials and dress up, and guys would come in court. It's a fascinating show. And in the show, there, there's a there's a there's a young lady in there. 
that, uh, you know, there's a prince that wants to marry her, right? That is all into her. But instead of marrying the prince, she falls in love with the duke, who's at lower status, mm -hmm. right? Because she wants so much, like to 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 this. She wants to have this 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 love, and and she feels like she found her soulmate. And uh, it's the, the the reason why I mentioned that is because when you said that, you know, you're, you're basically crushing that myth and saying soulmates are not is is not a thing, and that'll free up a lot of women because a lot of times if you feel like this is your soulmate, you may be in a terrible relationship, but you're like. He's, but he's my soulmate, right? Mm -hmm. At the same time, he's abusing you. He's mistreating you. He's he's taking advantage of you. He doesn't appreciate you. But you feel you've bought into the lie that he's your soulmate. And then that, and that was for the ladies. I'm sorry, Marcus. Yeah, no, and, and, and one of the difficulties, especially with newlyweds or new relationships, is the whole honeymoon stage. The honeymoon stage can last between six months to two years. Usually research actually, they predict that that's what usually happens. But the honeymoon stage is actually a whole bunch of, um, people are high on love hormones. <laughs> uh, um, you know, serotonin, um, oxytocin, all these different hormones in our body that actually make us blind to a lot of things because we're so red flags well part of it part of it is this people really believe that they make decisions logically mm. we use our emotions to make our decisions we actually we actually make rationalizations based on our logic but we made the decision based on an emotion then we back it up with logic mm. so what happens in a relationship is that they'll find all the good things and then they'll say, oh, it's because of these rational, logical reasons why we're getting married. But really, they're getting married all out of emotion, mm. that, especially in a relationship. In a relationship, it's all about emotions. Not a, if if you had an arranged marriage when you were being put together because of finances or being put together because of your then that's different. But people don't get married because of, <laughs> of those logical reasons. They get married because of emotion. Marcus, I'm so, I'm so glad you said that because I just did a segment uh, when I'm, I was talking to grooms about how crazy, like these are grooms that just proposed. And I'm trying mm -hmm. to let them know, like, listen, like you're thinking, I want to take her off the market. She's thinking dun, 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 in 12 months. You mm -hmm. was just thinking, I'm trying to take her off the market. She's already thinking marriage, bro. Yeah. You know, you, you, you know what I'm saying? And so, fellas, you gotta listen. These women and us too, right? But I'm just gonna, you know, focus a little bit more on the women here. They're making their decisions based off of emotions. Okay. Men are Especially when she goes on Pinterest, forget about it. Forget yeah, about men it. are definitely making out of emotion as well. But it it's a little bit of a different timeline for women. Uh, within three months after dating somebody, a woman will start asking herself, is this a serious situation? Am after I 90 days? Yep. After 90 days is when they start figuring out, okay, is this, a, is this an actual uh, relationship that I want to make long term? Because it has to be, we want to know if we're going to, if this is going to continue, because if not, I'll just move on. 
If they stay around for more than three months is because they haven't found somebody else. <laughs> and they're kind of staying around for, for, the, for, for the companionship in essence. Um, so a lot of times men after the three months mark, they'll start asking the men, you know, well, where are we going with this? What's going on? <laughs> so fellas, if you hear that, then tennis should be going off because yeah. What she's doing is trying to figure out is she going to hop back on on Match.com or is she going to delete her account? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she needs to have more of a, of a, of a solidity, of a, of, a, of a stability. And that's building trust. And that's for another, you know, yeah. I, there's so much to relationships. And this is a huge, a huge subject. But that I just wanted to go over these four myths with, with, uh, with new relationships because communication is the, the next one. And this is the, one of the big ones where people say, well, what is it, that, what is it that, that's most important? Communication, communicating properly, being able to communicate. But what is it that people mean when they talk about communication? Um, their people want to be heard. Yeah. They want and to what, be understood. What, what is it that you see when you're, when you're picturing communication within a couple? Like good communication, what is it that you're seeing? Uh, they're, they're, they're able to open up freely. No filters, no judgment, no, you know, no, uh, no shame. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think that's, that, that's what, that's what good communication is about. Just being able to be upfront, real and honest with somebody and not putting on a show, mm -hmm. right. Not, not trying to be somebody you're not. And I was having this conversation with this with this guy last night, and I was telling him like the way you start, like if you start off opening doors, buying flowers, bringing food, like bro, she's gonna expect you to continue to do that, right? Because that's what you communicated, that's what you showed her. So when you stop doing it, red flag, you yeah. might be seeing somebody else. <laughs> it's not a bad. He's not thing. present. He's not that is actually that's actually part of another subject, which is the habits that we build during our um, falling in love stage. We leave behind a lot of times. We are getting flowers. We're doing all the romantic things. We're doing all these things, and then it seems like as the relationship goes, because we can't keep up that amount of effort of effort, it kind of weans, and then people feel kind of slighted, but the issue is not that, it's that a lot of times it just stops and you don't build. It's kind of like building a bank account. At the beginning, all the flowers, all the things that you're doing, all the positivity, and you're building up that bank account and that bank account. And now when you're building up that bank account, that's great. But what happens is now stresses of life come along and start mm. decreasing the bank account, mm. decreasing it more and more. Now you have fights, now you have children, now you have career now you have all these things and it starts decreasing because you're not adding more on a regular basis because you're letting all these things in life detract from the things that you need to actually add to the relationship so it's important mm. to have habits on a consistent basis to be able to build up the bank account so that when you do have bad times when you have times where you're not together when you have times where there's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress it doesn't deplete your uh, bank account because if you go into the negative then we talk about what's called negative sentiment override, which mm. is people start viewing even past events in their relationship as negative. They start mm. using, it goes back to this emotional logical thing. 
now they're looking at their relationship and they're going like, well, I'm unhappy, I'm unhappy, I'm unhappy. When did this start? I should have known this. Oh, this started all the way back, way before we got married. I remember this, 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 and that. And so you start building this sentiment, negative sentiment override. And yeah. when you see in relationships that are successful, they see a lot of positive within the, the relationship more than they see negatives within their relationship. And actually, there's numbers to these and research, but I won't go oh, into it. Let's just jump back one, into the communication. In order to have a good relationship, especially when you have an argument, it's five positives to one negative. Uh, usually in, in, in relationships that are having trouble, they don't even have one positive to one negative in their, in, in their conversations. And I see it all the time when people are really in trouble. They, they just like, oh, I don't think we were ever in love. Oh, I don't think. And it, it, it's because they start reviewing their memories and they start applying negative over them mm. because they want to rationalize why they're feeling so bad now. We're so messed up, Marcus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it goes it's back the to the whole emotional thing. It goes back yeah. to this whole making decisions emotionally and backing them up with logic. It's just that's what people. So when we figure there's a negative thing going on in our relationship, we're trying to figure out where it's coming from. We're trying to figure out, we're trying to rationalize it. Where is it me? Is it them? Is it both of us? And they start creating these stories and these narratives. And the narratives start becoming their reality and they start creating these these huge fluff stories that they know and when they tell their friends which they shouldn't be especially if they're talking negative say it again, Marcus, spouse, ladies. say it again no it's really important because what happens when you go to a friend or a family member and a lot of times if you're just complaining that family member and that friend is only seeing one piece of the story and it's the story that you're telling them so they love you and they want to back you up so they're going to start giving you recommendations based on what they're seeing the other person is doing through the eyes that you're giving them so it's really important to communicate with your partner about your problems more than you communicate to other people about your problems and to open up to your partner even if it hurts even if it's even if emotionally you don't want to because you're going to feel like you're exposing yourself too much, you need to still talk to your partner about it and you need to develop those skills to be able to do that. And that's where communication comes in. Communication, if communication was the issue, we probably would be able to fix all the problems by now because most of therapy and counseling and even self-help books on marriage, what they focus on is about problem solving and communication skills. That's what they give you, problem solving strategies and communication skills. Um, the issue with that comes down to, it's, it's what are we talking about communication? Like you said, we're talking about being able to share and not being shamed, not being all these things and really talking calmly too not yelling, not screaming, not all doing all this stuff, being able to sit at a couch or sit at a table and talk about emotional situations with a calm manner. And that doesn't happen. Mm. It's actually part of what I do and what Gottman Therapy does is we actually do state-dependent learning, which means that if you are going to learn to deal with your problems, if you're a couple that actually yells and screams, you need to deal with the problems while yelling and screaming. You're not going to be able to calm down. And a lot of times there's one partner in the couple that's going like, 
you need to calm down. You're not being logical. You're not, and the issue is that that person can't do it. It's not, it's not a fault in essence. It's just that it's an emotional situation and the solution is not to be calm. The solution is to be able to solve the issue in the state that you're in. Now, that's part of communication. Traditional marriage counseling actually tries to do that and they try to do it by saying, I hear you, you sit down calmly and you start talking to each other and you say, well, I hear what you're saying, I understand what you're saying uh, and all this stuff. And that doesn't happen because when they go back home and they get into a fight, while they're in front of the therapist is great. They can do it. They can, but when they go back home and they get into a fight, it blows up all over again. And everything you learned in counseling is out the door. <laughs> out the door. I'll tell you. you know, but it leaves you... with it leaves the people with a problem rather than a solution. Because they're told, they're told then you're a bad communicator. What does that do for the person? That doesn't help them be able to communicate better. Now they're going like, well, I'm told I'm a bad communicator. And especially the guys, I'm, a told, I'm told I'm a bad communicator. Um, I don't communicate right. And it, that has, that's really not the solution. And that comes into conflict. Well, that's well, when, on, when we talk about the next myth. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, so Marcus, with the communication, what I heard is not only is it communication with your with your with your with your spouse, but it's also communication with yourself, mm -hmm. right? What what, yeah. what you yourself? And listen, just I'm just pe speaking from personal experience. Like for me, uh, and, and and maybe this is because you know other women in, in my life has told me, oh, you know, you you don't communicate well. You're a bad communicator. Because listen, if 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 my spouse is like, we need to talk. I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. Like, fellas, you already know we don't want to hear that we need to talk or or you know, uh can you know, can we sit down and have a conversation? It's like, oh my gosh, I think for guys, even the word communication is like, and listen, honestly, especially when you're dealing with a difficult topic like finances or sex or or you know, the children, like we shut down. Right, like me, my method was, you know, if I'm upset, like I'll literally, like, I will shut down. I will talk, right, or I'll leave. Mm -hmm. I'll leave mm -hmm. as a way to, I don't know why I do that, but <laughs> um, it's what I've always done. Maybe you know, because I've seen my father do it and my uncle do it and my 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 brothers do it, you know. But the 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 communication thing for men, I feel like it's a little bit. Because women, they could just talk all day. <laughs> but communication, actually, women are just as bad as men in communication. It's just that the way that we view it and men are told that they're more, that they're bad at communication. Women can verbally run circles around a man, usually. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're good communicators. Right. That means that they can destroy us verbally <laughs> at any point <laughs> they want um, because they have that ability. But it doesn't mean that they communicate how they feel personally. A lot of times yeah. they have difficulty being able to open up to their partner, especially if their partner has a tendency of what you're talking about, which is it's really called stonewalling. 
where we get flooded and we leave or we stop talking or and it usually happens in men it's 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 more prevalent in men than women it does happen in women uh in women when you see it <laughs> you see it and and it's like they're gonna kill you if you keep on talking and they're like you know uh, it, it, speak your piece so that we can move on uh because yeah. and they're looking at you like they'll they can kill you with a look they'll eat you yeah you yeah <laughs> so so but but that's not and that's why it's it's a little bit of semantics about the communication being a myth because it's people communicate but what do we mean by communication and so i and to me communication is understanding Ooh. To me, communication is, is being able to take the other person's perspective and being able to see it from their filters and being able to, to accept that filter, not look at it from our point of view. A lot of times when conversations start, when you say, oh, well, we need to talk. Well, that's going to trigger you. And that's going to immediately trigger you into a closed off state of going mm. like, oh, well, this is going to be a difficult situation. Uh, it's going to be painful. I don't want it. It's hurtful. And that's why if we're focusing on just happiness and we're focusing on just feeling good within a relationship, we're going to shut down because at that moment, it's kind of like, I don't want to deal with this. I've had a hard work day. I don't want to. I'm coming home. I just want to relax. I don't want to be bothered. And that's when you close off. And if you have a different perspective of what a relationship is and you say, well, this emotional connection is the most important part. It's not happiness. It's not only this, it's this emotional mm -hmm. connection. And in order to build that emotional connection right now, I have to go through this little bit of pain. But the interesting thing is that once I go through this pain, we'll be better <laughs> off and our relationship will have grown just a little bit more. Our trust will have grown just a little bit more. Our respect for each other will have grown just a little bit more. And so that's the important part to keep. And so when you go through conflict, there's certain things that research through Gottman actually showed that are detrimental. So, and it's not yelling and it's not being mad at each other. It's not showing anger and it's not, all those things are fine. You can show anger. You can show um, hurt. You can show all those things. Sharing your emotions is not the issue. It's the way that you share them. Are you blaming the person? Are you criticizing them? And this is a huge thing for women. Women like to criticize men and they don't understand that criticism is like kryptonite to men. And mm. they figure, oh, let's say it's a 6'4 man. Oh, you're 6'4. Stop acting like a baby. You can take it. No. We don't because criticism from the person that we love is really hurtful because we want to be the best we can for that person. We want to be that person's hero. So it becomes very painful, even for the 6466 man that's being attacked with criticism from their loved one. And they'll crumble and they'll feel disrespected and they'll close off. And you, you're, you're destroying the relationship bit by bit by using criticism and men do it too men criticize women it just doesn't impact women as much but we all become defensive when we're mm. criticized and that's the second and Gottman calls them the four horsemen I call them the four weapons of mass destruction uh, he noticed that if he saw these especially in new couples um, if he saw these four different um, weapons or horsemen as he calls them that within five years, 95% of those marriages 
would be gone. And he actually predicted it pro properly. 95% of those marriages that use those four weapons actually get divorced within five years. So Marcus, you don't have to go dive too deep into the four horsemen because we talked about it and I would just refer people back to that episode Let's that we got to the other one. Yeah. But can you just can you just like name what 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 are these? Four are. Horsemen? Yeah. So we start going into criticism. Um, then we become defensive. Then we add contempt to that. And contempt is this disrespect. It's like not having respect, like you're above the other person. And in a relationship, that's really bad. You can't see yourself as higher than intellectually or in any other way as your partner, because if not, that's going to create an inequality, which is not good for partnership. And then you have stonewalling. And stonewalling is where you go into this, this rage or this mad. And we actually measure it with, uh, with a pulse oximeter um, in the office when I have people actually have arguments in the office to see what's going on with their physiology. So those are the four horsemen. Um, but that's not the only thing that stops in communication. So those are when you have confrontations. If you find that you're using any of those, they all have antidotes to them. They all have ways of being able to fix those and they're skills that you develop over time. If, but there's another thing which is actually avoidance. Ooh. And that happens a lot with women and women will avoid having certain conversations because they won't wanna agitate the male partner in the relationship. And so masculine energy can be very um, Surreal intimidating. intimidating. And so, and that's why women don't like men screaming or, or raising or their cursing. voice. Yeah, or cursing. So, um, so, so they'll avoid having conversations that need to be had because mm. they don't wanna stir up the pot. And so those marriages usually last a lot longer but they still end in divorce, usually about 16 years. And that's important for the men to hear because you don't want your wife or soon-to-be wife to not be able to communicate with you out of fear mm -hmm. that you're going to shut down or you're going to leave or you're going to blow up or you're going to be cussing at her or you're going to be you know, whatever. Like, that's not, that's not healthy. And listen, I'm not pointing the finger. Like, I've done it. You know, I've been in situations where, you know, I've, I've done and said things that I shouldn't have said. And this is the purpose of the show, right? Is, 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 in or like, we don't want to be doing those things, right? Those are, like you said, part of the four horsemen that if you do them, will just crush your relationship. Mm -hmm. And this whole idea of not going to bed mad. I mean, that's one of the biggest myths. Don't go to bed well, mad. Well, listen, they, now, now, not just secularly, but religiously, right? I'm a religious person. That's they, 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 you know, they peddle that saying, do not go to bed mad. And so I, I remember we had a conversation about it, but I'll let you go. Yeah, another one. On the other, yeah, we were talking about the fact that it's just it basically puts people at a disadvantage already because they think that they if they go to bed mad, that that's a bad thing. And it's it's not. It's it's getting into these conversations. And if we have to just you know, Alison Armstrong, which deals a lot with women and, and relationships and teaches women how men think, she goes over uh, a, a process where she calls it um, uh, spit it up, blow it up, clean it up. Mm. And basically what she's saying is, look, it's hard to, to go through these conversa conversations. Just spit it out. 
spit it out. And then you know that it's going to blow up. You guys are going to be having high emotions. You're going to have all these things. As long as you don't use those four things that I just talked about, you'll be fine. Because then you can actually fix it. You can, and you'll end up in a better place at the end. You'll end up in growth at the end. So emotions are not bad. It's just the way that we express our emotions to the other person. Michelle and I still have times where we cry, we scream, we do all those things, but we don't do it towards each other. We know that there's an issue and the issue is the struggle within that connection. Something happens within that connection and we're struggling with that connection because we're trying to go to a higher level. And we- That's the only way to grow, like you said. The only way to yeah. grow is through pain. So we'll go to that higher level, whether it's in, in all different areas in our life. And what happens is that when we go to that higher level, we're exposing ourselves. And a lot of times we have certain expectations when we expose ourselves in those levels. And if the other person doesn't meet them, we get hurt. Mm -hmm. And then there is tension. And then there's all this. And so they'll be screaming, they'll be crying, they'll be yelling because it's not something that's logical or, or just calm. And, but, uh, but the question is, will your, will your relationship be stronger after or weaker? Mm. And so then the last <laughs> myth is the myth of compromise. Mm. And that's when you said, you know, oh, you know, she's always right. Yeah. Um, and the issue with that is and research actually shows this that in relationships where there's a win-lose situation um where the man constantly feels and it's usually men unfortunately this is this is interesting and it happens both of them have this thing that they're 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 feeling loss but when the studies were done they were following people on this they call it a zero-sum game when these people actually had um one partner feel like they didn't get as much as the other partner consistently they were following these couples and they found out that those people dropped off the people that had this negative this negative game where they felt like one partner lost and the other one won they thought that they were just dropping off because they were getting divorced when they went to track them they found out that the men in these relationships were dying <laughs> literally literally dying the stress of a, that kind of relationship ends up killing men earlier believe it or not and wow. you can Gottman's research on it is, is it's really interesting fellas listen to what marcus listen <laughs> so, to what the research yeah saying. so compromise is not what i advocate and again it goes a little bit to semantics i don't talk about compromise i talk about common ground 69% research actually shows 69%, which is kind of funny, 69, uh, uh -huh. of, of problems in a relationship are called perpetual problems, which means that they will always be there. No matter how much you discuss them, they will always be there. No matter how much you argue about them, they'll always be there. So Problem solving or, or, or conflict resolution, again, is not the solution. What the solution is, is they found out that the people that are able to talk and discuss these issues stay together 
better than those people that are in gridlock. And gridlock is when they can't move on or can't even talk about the situation. So the more open communication you have about those 69% of the conversations that you're supposed to be having of the problems that you have, the greater longevity of your relationship and outcome will be and the happier you'll be. So um, compromise has to be taken from what is, com what, what is the common ground that you both have and can you understand the other person's point of view? Can you really take the other, a lot of times, and I see this in all, all the relationships that I deal with, when they're having a conversation or when they're having an argument or when they're talking about something, what happens is that we get triggered. We get triggered, the other person says something and we wanna make a reason why we say something, why we did something. We always wanna answer that with an excuse of why we do say or think certain things. That's not what has to happen at that moment. At that moment, you need to be quiet and truly without bias in your head, understand the other person's point of view. And this is really important for men towards women because women will talk and then they'll find out that the, men's, the men are really not listening. Mm, they're not present. They're trying to excuse something that they did somewhere that, they, that some action that they took and they're trying to tell them the rationalization or the logic of why they took that step. And they're not listening to why the other person is whether they're angry or sad or disappointed about it. And each time they do that, they lose trust because they're not actually listening. They're not understanding. Understanding is key to creating resolution key to creating resolution. And it's not arguing. It's not assuming that you know what the other person thinks. It's not assuming what you, that you know what the other person is gonna say. It's not mm -hmm. assuming that the reason the other person is feeling the way they are is because of the way that you're thinking they're, they're feeling that way. No, it's finding out more information. You know, Stephen Covey in, in, his, uh, in his famous book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, mm -hmm. He has, uh, you know, one of the habits is seek first, seek first to understand before you can be understood, mm -hmm. right? Like, and and for men, it it is it is difficult. Like sometimes, you know, I've got a lady friend, and she'll be talking to me, and I'll be on my phone, and she'll be like, "I need this is important." I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> that is a down. huge problem with men. Men. Um, so John Weinman is a great, great. Uh, he and David uh, Data they do a lot about um, masculinity and femininity and the emotions that you have, and they do a lot about polarity. I do those things kind of in my more advanced stuff when I when I work with people, but it it, it would behoove. The, the listeners to just go in and, and Google John Wineland. He, um, there's one section where he talks about men and women having these issues that you're talking about. And women, one of the things they crave the most from men is their presence, being there. By you being on the phone, you're showing that you're not present. 
And he has one where he goes like, he's, he's, talking to the, he's talking to the audience. And the question was like, from a woman, how can I be more present when my man is, how can I be more available? How can I be more open to love when my man is not being present in a certain way? And he said, he said look, when, when your man is going, he's going like, you're talking to him and you're about to pour your, your, you're about to pour your, your deepest trust to him and everything. And he goes like, and, and you're like, you're like, you were actually needing his attention. You were going to tell him like this huge thing and you had the whole conversation and he was paying attention to you. And then he goes like, or scratches his butt and goes like this and goes like, you know, <laughs> and, and now she looks at you and she's like, what's going on why i need you to to be with me you i i lost you <laughs> and so now the whole point is as a man what you need to do is refocus but the issue that happens in a relationship is that when that happens the woman might bring up a whole bunch of history along with her he always does this yes yeah. new Yep. Matter of fact, your mother told me, your father. <laughs> exactly. Instead of dealing with what's in the moment at the yeah. time, saying, look, I need your attention. And now the trigger for the man is to go like. And listen, yeah. as opposed to what happens is you always do this. You don't listen. You did because she brings all the frustration from the past with her. And I'm not saying that's easy. And John Wineland says the same thing. It's not easy to just leave your past behind, but it's mm. what you have to do to deal with the moment in time that you're dealing with. Don't bring all that past. You, what happens is that we go back in our head. We see the situation. We go back in our head and we start analyzing it in our head as to, okay, why is this happening? And most of that, this is, a major thing that happens in relationships as as conflict increases the level of um emotional mentality decreases wow you see it all the time people start using tactics kid tactics to be able to in, in their fights having tantrums having having picking at stuff you know women a lot of times will go like well, they'll try to start testing men, especially if they think that they're hiding something. Oh, so you have this. And when they catch them in the lie, they're like, aha, I got you. That's a kid. That's kid stuff. You know, do that in an in adult relationship. That's just acting like, and, and men do it as well. Men yell, they'll scream, they'll shut down, they'll, they'll stomp their feet, they'll go out. They'll, it, it, that's, that's a kid mentality as the conflict increases our our ways of dealing with conflict have been established in our childhood so a lot of times what happens is that we revert back to childhood tactics of being mm. able to deal with conflict and we'll use violence mm. sometimes we'll use all types of things because we go back to women actually as far as violence and in the way um of of situational violence, something that happens in the moment, are the biggest culprits because they'll get mad and they'll punch the man in oh, some yeah. way. Um, so like, Whoa! Yeah, because they're mad. Because they're mad. <laughs> and you, and because they're so, they go back to being a little kid. I can't do anything. I'm so frustrated. I'm going to punch you. And so that's not the way of dealing with situations within your relationship. That's the emotional maturity. Like you're not. 
emotionally stable to yeah. even be in a serious relationship if you can't deal with conflict. Yeah, and and this and it's hard to deal with. It's hard to present it to newlyweds again because they're in this love stage where they're just falling in love, where everything is fine. They really don't have any arguments or anything like that. But eventually there'll be something going on. And if you don't pay attention and you don't create the structures of the marriage, if you don't create these, these, these proper ways of viewing what's going on within the relationship, um, a lot of times it'll lead you to what it leads to 45 to 50% of relationships, which is divorce. All those people that got together, they all thought they had a relationship for life. None of them went into their marriage thinking, oh, you know what? This is going to last five years and I'm going to, and, and I'm going to make it last five years. And then we're going to, we're going to actually divorce, um, actually amicably. We're just going to separate. So none of them thought that. They all thought, oh, I have a partner for life. This is a great person. You know, maybe they're not, maybe they're not perfect, but I can fix them. You know, Ooh. that's the mentality uh, that people have. And they don't really consciously a lot of times think this because they don't go through it to consciously think because they're going on emotion. We all go on emotion uh, when we're making these decisions. So so, so Marcus, before we get out of here, we're yeah. wrapping up. Um, what's the, what is, uh, what are the three tips that you would give couples that are, you know, currently engaged and about to walk down this aisle? Number one is that maybe you don't have challenges right now and that's great. And it, it, it's a really good thing. And I love to see couples that are just falling in love. Um, but if you do run into trouble, don't wait to get help. There's help out there, um, you know, and if one person doesn't try to find the next, counselors and therapists don't manage relationships with a particular type of, of, of technique per se, with, a, with one technique, they all use things that they've learned. There's no set technique to handle marriages. So sometimes one, one counselor might not know as much as another and might not be able to deal with them as well as another. Um, I use coaching because first of all, I didn't wanna, um, I really didn't wanna go back to, th to school for another <laughs> six to eight years. Um, I, I, and it wasn't even that, it's, it's just that when I was studying a lot of what therapists and counselors use as far as marriage is concerned, a lot of them are using coaching. They're using actually coaching techniques, which is really focused on the future of the marriage and on the problems and on, on building the marriage and the friendship in the future, as opposed to dealing with them in the present or in the past. A lot of issues that, that therapists deal with is what's going on in the past. And so that's number one. I, and, and that is under learning. So I have a system which we call learn, live, love. And you've seen it. We've talked about it before. Um, and it's kind of a continuum. You learn about what's going on in your relationship and about the past of your relationship and what's going, all those things. So there's techniques that you can use to continue to learn what's going on in your relationship. Part of it is, is being in the present, learning how to forgive, learning how to, get, uh, how to have for the future, because you really don't want to forget. 
So it's really about the future. So how to, how to establish things for the future. And then living is all about keeping all those habits that you had while you were falling in love, keeping them together as you continue to stay in love and grow in love. And then loving is all about increasing that polarity between the couple. Because a lot of times when people end up in sexless marriages, which is a lot of marriages actually, um, sexless marriages, yeah, sexless marriages. And there's a lot of, and especially if they're in trouble, there's a lot of marriages that they, there's just no, no passion. They've lost to passion. And a lot of that loss can be um, due to a lack of polarity. Um, they've lost uh, the masculine feminine magnetism that happens. When you have a, a positive and negative pole of a magnet, it attracts, it attracts itself really strongly. But now flip that one of the magnets over and now it's going to repel each other. And if something's Ooh. trying to push them back together, the repel, the, the, uh, the repelling force is going to be even greater. And sometimes that's children that are trying to push them together because they don't want to leave the marriage because they have children. And that's just pushing them for and they're getting more and more conflict. So we got to actually flip it so that they can be together and, and really establish that chemistry, that passion. It's really cool when you start understanding this masculine feminine dynamic between men and women and, and this passion that it creates and this attraction that it creates. A lot of times when you see a woman that's not attracted to a man or a man that's not attracted to a woman is because of this problem with the polarity. Um, and, uh, it, it, can, it can keep a fire going for years and years and years within a marriage if you know how to use that polarity. Um, and it keeps you experimenting together and, and having all types of adventures together um, as a couple. So it's, it's really cool. So, um, so I would say that's, those are the, th the actually four instead of three <laughs> um, things that people oh, should in there. So Yeah, yeah. So you know, everybody's talking about this marital bliss thing, right? Yeah. But but we know that fifty percent of first marriages and you know um, sixty percent of second marriages and seventy percent of third marriages end in divorce. So being in in a relationship is does it mean that you know more about relationships than other people? And being in more relationships just means that you have that baggage, like I said. Mm. But what oh but. Like we said, nobody's really talking about, when we talk about marital bliss, we don't really talk about this growing in love um, situation. And it's not about communicating that helps you create the basis for that, that marriage that thrives. It's really focusing on the right things. And that can happen even if you can't stop fighting. Um, people sometimes can't stop fighting and that's okay. That's, that can bring actually passion, but just because you fight and make up doesn't mean that it's a good fight. Just because you make up, people make up all the time. If you're using the four horsemen, mm. you're, you're creating damage. And each time you fight, mm. it's going to be a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more until it erodes the relationship. So making up, you could have the best makeup sex you, you, you ever, and it might be great after a fight, but it's not good it doesn't done. indicate that you're making up as that you're not wounding yourself through the relationship so people need to understand that so if you use those four weapons of mass destruction you're you're creating a situation where eventually 
you will have major problems. Um, so that's Don't basically cross that line. That's a red line in your relationship. Don't cross the line. Mm -hmm. Four horsemen, rewind the video, go back and watch it, write it down. People know that they should fight, they should fight fairly, right? And a lot of times you'll hear couples, you know, we can't fight this, we have to start fighting fair. But they really don't know what fighting fairly means. They think that fighting fairly is not yelling. They think that fighting fairly is not cursing. They think that fighting fairly is, and those are not the thing. It's really taken out these four things that really cause uh, the problems. A major so, conflict. Mm -hmm. So you have a you have a, a a program coming out called Timeless Marriage. Uh, you want to elaborate on that before we wrap it up? Yeah, creating a timeless marriage. How to have a relationship that continues to grow. Um, you know, it, it, it's not, it's not done yet. Um, I will have it out in the next couple of weeks. If anybody's interested, I can send you a link where they can actually get a guide too. I have, um, the doctor's guide to building, uh, the relationship of your dreams. Um, and I can send you the link to that and they can go we right on there. The link to this video, Marcus. So anybody yeah. that's watching this video, you're going to have that link on the bottom as well as yeah, that'll take you to uh to a page where it asks you to put your email and your and your name in and then i'll be able to correspond with you and send you uh some of the announcements of what's coming up soon and everything like that we also um are going to start providing some tips and everything uh, on those emails so uh that would be a great thing so yeah listen i would i'm not qualified to talk to you about your emotions if you want to talk <laughs> about music and entertainment i got you Okay, but Marcus is the expert. I would highly recommend, uh, and this is why he's on the show, right? The purpose of the show is to help my couples plan a fun, entertaining, most importantly, stress-free wedding. This segment has to do with the stress portion, okay, mm -hmm. of, of, of planning a marriage. And, I, you know, Marcus is a great resources, especially for, my, for, for the grooms out there. I'm trying to tell you, lean on Marcus, okay? Uh, you know, follow him, sign up for the emails, get the daily tips. Uh, and, you know, Marcus, I love the fact that you, 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 you almost have a new philosophy that you're trying to push, which mm -hmm. is growing in love, not just staying in love, but growing in love. We don't hear that too much. Right. And, you know, the, 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 the four horsemen, just everything that we talked about, right. The, the, the emotional maturity, all of these things are super important. Um, like I said earlier this week in Real Talk with, uh, with Gina Wedding Coach, you know, planning a wedding is stressful, right? Like it's not only stressful, it's time consuming, you gotta spend capital, but it's, this, it's, it's 10 times that when you're married, okay? It's easy to marry her or it's easy to get married. It's super harder to stay married. And so you might ahead, want to find this. You might want to find this really interesting. Um, a couple can be living together for years before they get married, but their first year in marriage is still their hardest year. Wow! Say it again, Marcus. Say it again. A couple can be living together for years, but their first year in marriage is one of their hardest years. There's certain stages in a marriage life that causes a lot of stress, and that first year of marriage causes a lot of stress, whether you were living together or not. A lot of them has to do with the planning of the wedding and having this whole hype and everything like that. And you have this whole event and one of the biggest events that you have where you're spending thousands of dollars and then all of a sudden it's done in four hours to six hours. And now life is here. 
and now we got to live. And so that causes a lot of stress because it's this really high. And then they go like, wow, is this all, is this what it is all about? And so the other one is actually children. Children is a huge, uh, huge stress, especially for first time uh, parents um, and their first year of, of, uh, of children. So, you know, it's, it's so funny you mentioned that Marcus, because a lot of a lot of my couples, they're 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 younger. They're in their you know mid twenties, late twenties, um, early thirties. Pretty well established, you know. Probably just graduated college. They have the career going, and now you're planning the most biggest event of your life, right? You probably have student loans. You probably you know you 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 you're working. Then you throw kids in the mix. Then you throw most of them, they get married, they get a house. Now you got a household to take care of, right? Somebody's got to cut the grass. I mean, it's not going to cut itself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you, yeah. it, it, it's, it's so much that these two individuals have to deal with. And I just think that the industry, the wedding industry itself, is just, like you said, the bliss of marriage and the wedding and the flowers and the decor and, you know, they don't talk about the realness. Like, yes, they, oh, by the way, what are your finances going to look like? Who's going to save? Who's going to work? Oh, the baby's going to come. I got to work. Oh, it happened to me. The baby came. Once I found out that my, um, my ex was pregnant, I went in hyper work mode. Like, okay, I need to work overtime. But at the end of the day, I still need to be able to attend to my family. But for men, we're like, oh, I got to provide. I got to provide. I got to provide. I can't believe you're not happy. You don't even work. I pay all the bills, but you're not happy. Like, no, she's not happy because you're not meeting her needs. Mm -hmm. And it's not money. Mm -hmm. That's a given. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, Marcus. <laughs> we'll go down a whole nother rabbit hole with that one. Yeah. <laughs> so Marcus, where can people find you? How can they get in touch with you? Well, the best thing is to just uh, go on to that, that, um, that guide, get the guide, uh, go on to um, on there, uh, put your email, put your name, and then we can, we can reach you from there. Uh, there's, there's a lot of information there. Uh, also, if they want to call our office, uh, 845-566-0568. So uh, they can call there if they, if they truly want to uh, start something with us. Um, we can, I have couples that are just starting, um, in their relationship, believe it or not. I have a lot of couples that start in their relationship that want to start it right. And they come to me and I have couples that have been together for 20 years that are having, you know, might be having tremendous issues in their relationship. And we also try to help them as well. Um, uh, a lot of times it's a lot more difficult to help people that have already had so much negative history in their relationship so that's why i urge you if you if you ever run into trouble don't try to go through your instincts your instincts are usually the wrong way to go Ooh, the ladies um, need to hear that say it again Marcus. yeah it's true your instincts are sometimes the worst things to go through <laughs> it's just it, it'll get don't like that Marcus. The, the guys yeah. are going to repeat that they're just going to take that one clip <laughs> No, it's so true. And, and, and it's, it's an, it's people try to keep their issues private. They don't talk about them. And I'm not saying talk to all your friends about it or anything like that. I'm just saying, find help. Relationships 
are more of a science these days than they used to be. Over the Ooh. last 30, 40 years, we've discovered so much science about relationships. Um, and a lot of the work being done is Susan Johnson and uh, John Gottman and, and Julie Gottman and all those people are doing tremendous work uh, for us people that actually take care of uh, the, the clients, so. Well, Marcus, listen, you're a great resource to me personally. You know, if I have any questions when it comes to dealing with my emotions or, you know, anything that has to do with relationships, you are my go-to guy, straight up. You're, and, and, and we'll end with this. I'll never forget, I was sitting in your office one time and we were having a conversation and I was having a conflict. And you said, um, <clears throat> your style of counseling was so different than the other counselors I have, right? So I remember you said, you said, Gene, you know, look at her like she's a baby cub. <laughs> what? I said, when she starts yelling and screaming, just look at a baby that might, cub. That might sound weird to your audience. They don't understand <laughs> that <laughs> like, what a cup. But what you were saying is, because by doing that, it gives me, it, it, I'm, 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 I have a different perspective of, of what she's going through. You understand what I'm saying? And, you know, I've been, I've paid hundreds of dollars to see other, and that one piece of advice, I'm like, wow, like it's different. And, and when you said, you know, the, the relationship is more of a science, that's what I thought of, right? Like <clears throat> really being able, cause that's what counseling is about, right? You're trying to change the, or influence how people think and how people see a certain situation. And that was so powerful. And I still use it today, right? I'll have a customer come in my store that's irate. And I'm like, okay, baby cub, baby cub. <laughs> Good. <laughs> no, that's a whole, that's perspective is a huge part in relationships. All right. So with that being said, Marcus, listen, love you, brother. Uh, you'll be a frequent guest of the show. I just want to remind Thanks all my couple, Make sure you uh, subscribe to the Wedding Workshop Podcast. All you got to do is click on the link. Uh, make sure you download my free ebook, Wedding Planning 101, from ceremony all the way to grand exit. And make sure you not only follow uh, Gina Wedding Coach, but you also follow Marcus. If you guys need to get in contact with Marcus, you can listen. I'm the plug. You can contact me, and I'll send a referral right to him. But once again, Marcus, thank you so much for, uh, for taking some of your precious time to talk to us about the four myths that lead couples down the road to divorce. Awesome. Marcus, appreciate it. All right, thank you, sir.